from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions. It's the Ramsey Show, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. We help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. George Camel, Ramsey personality, host of the Entree Leadership Podcast, is my co-host today. This hour is an Entree Leadership theme hour, which means we are going to talk about business, leadership, and particularly small business, if you want to talk about it. Entree Leadership is a book that I did several years ago that was our playbook and still is our playbook for how we run this business. It's our it's got all our Super Bowl plays in it, how we won the Super Bowl, how we've grown this from a card table in my living room to today about 1,200 team members and a major national brand. The word entree leadership is one we made up. It's a combination of entrepreneurship and leadership. Who came up with that? That's clever. Was that you? <laughs> Underhand pitch. Yeah, look at you. I'm just, I have no idea, truthfully, where You it really don't? From. I don't know the story. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Well, what, when I was sitting down to uh, think about, we were, I originally taught the material to our team, people that wanted to run a, you know, wanted to grow inside of our business. I was trying to grow our leadership development, trying to grow leaders inside the business. And um, I didn't want a leadership class uh, because I was in management class in college, taught by a tenured professor who had never made payroll. And when I hear the word leadership, sometimes I have, uh, I get a little twitch because I kind of remember management class. Takes you back. But real leadership, I don't have an issue with, but it just kind of reminded me of that. And so I didn't want to just say, this is our leadership handbook. You know, I didn't want to do that. And I didn't really want just entrepreneurs because we entrepreneurs are all a little bit ADD and every little shiny thing, we're like a bass. We go after everything that's shiny. It's like squirrel, right? I mean, you know, you get that uh, thing. And so I didn't, because managing a whole, building full of those people would be like trying to nail jello to a tree so had no desire to do that but i did want the energy of the entrepreneur and the sophistication of the leader the Mm -hmm. servant attitude of the leader so we combined them entree leadership entrepreneurship and leadership entree leadership that's where it comes from so open phones if you want to talk about business this hour this is your time george is here he has interviewed uh, a bazillion business experts on the podcast and so can uh, jump in and help as well on this the phone number here 888-825-5225 joe is in charlotte to start us off this hour hey joe welcome to the ramsey show hey dave thanks for having me sure what's up Oh, not a whole lot. I just want to start out by saying, you know, it's such an honor to be on, on air with you. Uh, you've uh, helped me guide my life through FBU and Entree Leadership from the very beginning. So cool. just uh, super grateful for that. Thank you. Um, so I just want to start out with, uh, so I have uh, about 10 team members in my company. We're in diesel truck and trailer repair out of the Charlotte, North, uh, North Carolina area. We're in the pathfinder stage, um, getting ready to roll out our mission, vision, and core values to the team. Good. So my question is, you know, how do I go about doing that to create the most buy-in from everybody? And, and so that way, just get it kicked off from the very beginning in the most efficient way. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't instill core values as a boss. You have to do it as a leader. Bosses push and leaders pull. And so pull means persuasion instead of wagging your finger, right? And, and so, you know, here's our core values. 
This is who we are. And this is how I teach it at Ramsey. The Ramsey team will tell you, I say this all the time. If you want to be a we, this is who we are. If you're not this, you're not a we. Meaning, get your butt out, right? That's what we're saying. This is who we are. And so this, you know, we're French. We, we, right? This is us. And so this is us. And so, like, you know, what is one of your core values as an example, Joe? Um, Dignity in our work. Okay. And that's not a um, aspirational meaning. It's not what you wish. It is instead actually who you are. Okay. Right. I mean, sometimes people put sometimes corporate America in particular, which is really bad about worried about optics and their virtue signaling and all this other crap that they do instead of actually getting their work done. Um, But corporate America is real bad about here's our core value, which means that's what they wish they were. That's aspirational. We, We aspire to be that. We hope to be that. And our core values at Ramsey, we didn't do that. We wrote down who we are. And then anybody that's not that is not a we. You know, and so dignity in our work. And so, you know, and and you said you guys are what, diesel mechanics? Is that what you said? Yes, sir. Okay. And so if you look down on diesel mechanics as beneath you, and you don't see that as work that matters, you don't see that as a work that has dignity then you're not a we because I own this place and I see this as a calling. I see it as a great service that we provide to some of the hardest working Americans. People on the other side of a diesel are generally some of the hardest working people you're going to run into, right? Yes, sir. And keeping them on the road and keeping them in the field and keeping them operating is, 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 is a mission with dignity. And if you can't really get excited about that, you you know, I probably messed up when I brought you in here, and I'm so sorry I owe you an apology. Because this is who we are. I believe this has dignity. I believe this is work that matters because we're keeping some of the hardest working, most productive people on the planet engaged in, because we keep their stuff running. And that, that, if you can't get dignity out of that, man, I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't love hardworking people. And instead, you just think you're some kind of grease monkey. I don't need you in here, man. And that's how that's how I would do it from the stage at Ramsey, wouldn't I, George? Joe, I wish Dave could just go over there and do it for you. But uh, you're the leader, buddy. <laughs> and I know you're like, well, I'm not the most. you got to care. And so you can't just read this off a slide like you're just communicating some information. You have to show your passion and know that this is just level setting. You're setting a foundation. This is not the first and last time they're going to hear these core values. You have to. I, I do, I do, we talk we do, about it all the time. We do them a couple times a month in staff meeting. We do them one of, the, one of them again. And, and people go, well, I, you know, I've been here 20 years. I've heard you do that a whole bunch of times. Yep, you're going to hear it again, too, because we talk about it all the time. We talk about it all the time. If you don't repeat it, it's not going to happen. It's, you don't get to make one announcement, Joe, and this is over. This is just the first of 8,000 announcements you're going to make regarding this. And then you're going to live it out day in and day out, and you're going to let the culture build with the team as they live it out. That's how this stuff sticks. Yes, sir. That, does that make sense? That. Yeah, and, and I, but I, so I, I think the, I think, and you can explain to him. This is not who we wish we were. This is who I am, and in a small business, you know, who you are is the DNA of the place. So this is our values, and uh, you know, I think that what you guys do, 
and, and what we do at this company is is important. I think it's work that matters. I think it has great dignity. And so if you can't get on board with that, then you know you're not gonna. It's not gonna work out here for you. And uh, you don't have to threaten them with that on the first day you announce it. But you're just gonna start to describe. This is who we are. This is who we are. This is who we are. And don't be shocked if one or two of the ten someday decides that they're not that. And you know. And as a country friend of mine says, you ain't going to fit in around here, boy. This is The Ramsey Show. personality host of the Entree Leadership Podcast is my co-host today. We're taking calls this hour on Entree Leadership, business questions, small business questions, leadership questions. Thank you for joining us, America. The phone number is 888-825-5225. Cindy is in Boston. Hi, Cindy. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. How can I help? Okay. So my question is, how do I hire when everyone applying is looking for wages much higher than ever before and out of our comfort zone, also looking for benefits that we've never accommodated before, including longer vacations, sick time, retirement, et cetera. Yeah. Um, <laughs> small business has never been able to compete with corporate America on benefits packages. Right. Um, and so like when we had 30 employees, uh, we said our benefit package consisted of your checks going to clear. <laughs> <laughs> we, we didn't have back in those days. We didn't have health insurance. We didn't have squat, but what we did have was you actually were going to be eating lunch with the CEO every day. Cause there wasn't that many of us, right? We all fit at one right. table. And what we did have was you're going to be treated with dignity and you're going to be treated like family and you're going to have a whole different kind of environment than working in stupid corporate America that's lost its soul. And so you don't you you from an employee standpoint, you're in a much better environment without all the crazy optic virtue signaling garbage in corporate America. If you want to be in that world, head on over there, baby. I don't want nothing to do with those people. And uh, and if you want to work for them, you're actually not the kind of people we want anyway. So. We brand differentiated by the quality of the culture, the quality of the environment, not by the benefits package. And as a matter of fact, today with 1,200 team members, we don't try to compete with huge companies, uh, you know, that, uh, whatever policy that they have. I, I don't even want to get into it. I, we're not going to mm -hmm. do it. We're just going to be us. And if you want to work here, you're working here because the work matters, because it's big deal to be working on something that changes people's lives and we're going to pay reasonably we're going to pay competitively but uh if you want eight weeks of vacation you know we're not about how much vacation you have we're about how much work you do uh including me by the way hello i work and so you know uh uh but but if you want if that if that if they come in and right off the bat the thing they're concerned about is the benefits package you don't want to hire them anyway because they're there for what they can get rather than what they can add and so it's, it's always yeah. a problem. Now, what we do have that we're facing and that is a legitimate thing is the wage issue. The cost to hire somebody has gone up dramatically, especially in uh, certain uh, 
certain disciplines, okay, developers, for instance, uh, software engineers, way up in just uh, 24 months, just way up. And well, I'm, I'm even just talking about the retail. So in a retail environment. Yeah, you're competing and, with people who want to pay 20 and 30 bucks to work at Target. Right. Yeah, you know, right. I mean, and that that's so what we're having to do and what you're going to have to do there is uh, we're going to we're having to look and go, um, we can't afford it. So you said comfort zone. It's not in your comfort zone. Does that mean you're not really ROIing on the payroll? The, I'm ROIing currently on the payroll, but to add like one more person would just be yeah, yeah, yeah. And so and I'd love to. You know, I I'll give you an example. If I, a developer's yeah. if a if a senior developer's three hundred thousand dollars a year writing code, and they used to be two hundred thousand dollars a year, if I could make money with the code they wrote at two hundred and I can't at three hundred, it means I'm not hiring them. Right. They price themselves out of the market, and they have to work somewhere else. And we're we're ex- we're actually having that conversation in the last six months here, that exact conversation right there. So I mean, it might not be numbers that big with someone working retail, but if you can make it work at uh, fifteen dollars an hour, but everybody else is paying twenty five, uh, and when you hire them at twenty five, you actually lose money on the activity that they are engaged in. Then, uh, you know, the idea in business is if you're going to take on payroll, you make more than it costs you. Otherwise, you go out of business, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and so you just have to look up and go, I can't. I'm not able to hire anybody to do that because I can't pay that. And so one of two things is going to happen. Then wages are going to adjust on that type of position, or you're going to figure out a way to get a return on investment on that, that that person working is going to make you more than they cost you. But they have to make you more than they cost you, or by definition, you're heading out of business. It's frustrating as crud right now. Though. What kind of retailer are you? Jewelry. Jewelry. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We do uh, custom design and uh, bridal mostly and a lot of a lot of in-house work. So. Okay. Are you trying to hire a jeweler or somebody work the front counter? Oh, both would okay. be great. Yeah. You know, but trying to find anybody, too, that's qualified is really difficult as well. Mm-hmm. That knows that's another that's another topic that doesn't think <laughs> carrots are on salad yeah right <laughs> yeah. yeah so it, it's interesting it's been very difficult and especially since we shut down and then everybody comes out there everybody lost their job or everybody like is looking for a new job because they can mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then they're coming out just looking for a lot more money like yeah. third more 50 percent more mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. what we were paying before so what is the hourly you're trying to fill rate 25 you're offering 25 yeah between 20 and 25 depending on and what is and that's to work path. that's to work the front counter and they need to know something about diamonds they need to know something about diamonds yeah and um you, you used to pay how much 18 okay and and so they're asking for 35 no, they're asking for more. They're looking for salary. They're looking for um, extra, you know, vacation time on top of that. So it's like, so I'm paying yeah. you to not be here yeah. when I don't have anybody to cover for you except for me. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. The, the, if, if someone is in that spirit, I'm not interested in having them on my team. Right. 
But there's more and more of them coming through the I door. I know. I know. I guess, I mean, I got the same thing. And, and, you know, like we used to say around here that uh, we I got a ton of millennials on the team and a ton of Gen Zs on the team. And people used to talk about how bad a worker they are and they're all self-centered and they're all arrogant and all that stuff. They're all snowflakes. They're not. They're not. There's a percentage of them are participation trophy idiots. And there's a percentage of them will charge the gates of hell with a water pistol. They're the most crusade-driven, wonderful team members I've ever had. But you've got to get the ones that actually, you know, that like weren't raised by by uh, uh, Nintendo and instead actually had parents. In other words, they have they have a work ethic, they have value system, you know. Instead of sitting around going, the whole access of the world runs through the top of your pointed little head, and because it doesn't. And so, what you're running into is the frustration of the percentage of that population that is self-centered, entitled, and arrogant, and you don't want them on your team for any amount of money. If you could get them at $16, if you could get them at $14, you wouldn't want them because they're there for what they can get rather than what they can add. And it's frustrating as crud. Hiring and running a team, managing culture in the team is one of the hardest business problems I've ever tried to solve. And it's a constant day-in and day-out battle to go, oh, you can't work here anymore. Look at the what look look at you. You just misbehaved. That's unbelievable. Or nope, we're not even gonna have another conversation about it at this interview. It's over. And you just end it. I mean, it, it's very hard, isn't it, George? Yeah. We fight it, we fight it here. Yeah. And you're there's always the worry they're gonna leave for a nickel more. Because if they came in the door with their demands, they're gonna go to the next place as soon as they can find an extra nickel there. And that's that's one of the problems. You gotta find people who care and you might need to give them room to grow. We've had some people leave because they wanted to work from home and we don't work from home. And so we said, you know what, that was a good move. You should leave. Self-selected. Because we don't work from home. Because, you know, we don't not work from home. Or whatever it was Elon said, right? That's the deal. Yeah. No, uh. thank you. We're not doing that. We're, we actually believe that it's not good that man be alone. It's good that man be next to man and, you know, talking to each other and having brainstorming sessions and creative. That happens in person. And these companies are finding out that work from home is killing their productivity. This is the Ramsey Show. Camel Ramsey personality, host of the Entree Leadership Podcast, is my co-host today. This hour is an Entree Leadership theme hour where we're talking with business owners, business leaders about business questions, leadership questions. And like our callers today, if you're a business owner, you got questions about the tactical how-tos of running a company. Uh, we run one every day here. Uh, so we are not uh, theoretical people in some classroom somewhere. We're actual practitioners. And uh, we put together a thing called the Entree Leadership Master Series, and we will show you the tactical how-tos of business. It is a serious, hard, long week. And uh, the conference is a crash course, and all the tactical lessons that we've learned in 30 years of doing the business, you will leave tired, uh, overwhelmed, uh, totally informed. We've had people say stuff like, I learned more in this five days than I did getting my MBA. 
And uh, we're hosting the Master Series in Nashville, our own hometown, here on the 25th through the 29th of September, about a month away and uh, less than a month away. We have like 15 or 20 seats left, something like that. It is almost sold out. But we thought since we're doing an Entree Leadership Theme Hour, we'd give you a chance to come if you want to come. you got a month to get ready, and you got about a day to buy your ticket because they're going to be gone. So if you're interested in coming to Entree Leadership, enjoying Nashville, and learning more than you have ever learned in a leadership course, because, boy, we pour it on. I'm teaching most of the lessons this year, mm. So uh, personally. So it's a, a lot of fun. I love being with small business people, love being with business people. It's my favorite thing. I think business, small business is the backbone of the American economy, and I've got statistics to prove it. So go to RamseySolutions.com slash Master Series to reserve your seats. As the uh, podcast uh, host, are you doing something there this year? I will be in attendance. Um, I'll make a cameo at some of the events there. A cameo? Yeah, that's what they call it these days. Is it? Okay. But these are, if these are my If you're a star, people. you get cameos. I, I am inspired by just meeting these business owners. They're incredible. And one of the things that is fascinating is one of the best parts of the event is them meeting each other because business is lonely yeah. as a business owner. And so to talk to someone else who may be in your field, maybe across the country, who knows, it just gives fuel to your soul to keep fighting you know we've been doing these over a decade and um, almost two decades and uh we have people that come to these events every year and they've been friends for a long time and they met at this event mm. but they're running businesses across the country sometimes the same uh, industry sometimes not but they just strike up a chord because there's something about small business people that are cut from the same cloth so if you want to come entree leadership master series september 25th through the 29th go to ramseysolutions.com slash master series and you can reserve a seat ramseysolutions.com slash master series sabrina is in new hampshire hey sabrina welcome to the ramsey show what's up hi dave and george thank you for taking my call today sure how can we help all right so my husband and i own a small business a heavy equipment repair shop uh, the business is debt-free, and personally, we're in baby step seven. So my question is, how much do we pay ourselves, and what do we do with the rest of our profits? Um, do you have suggested budgeting guidelines for giving, marketing, retained earnings, and investing? Uh, we're doing well and have great profit margins, so we just really don't know what to do with our money now, which is a good problem to have. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. Congratulations. Very Thank well you. done. Very well done. Well, what we do is we set a percentage for different categories inside the business that we're going to use. Like you said, marketing is an example. And, um, and then we adjust it. If it ends up being too much, we adjust it down. Uh, you know, one of our categories that we spend a ton of money is on our team, on HR. And so events that we do for our team, gifts that we do for our team, uh, team members that are in crisis and we come alongside them, um, all of that is as a percentage of budget. And sometimes it run, you're covering the Christmas party. And by the time we come up on the Christmas party at the end of the year, sometimes that percentage wasn't enough and we have to beef it up. Sometimes it wasn't more than enough. And we've got too much going in and we end up doing something else with it. But, um, we're not obligated by law to spend any of that. So it's just something we made up, right? Same thing with your marketing. And so you say, all right, we're going to spend X percentage. And with that, we still make a fine profit. And, uh, but if you end up saying, gosh, we don't really need to spend that much to get 
the business in the door, we could spend less, then you dial it down a couple points, right? Okay. And then as far as the profits go, it's all yours. Just take it home. What's the problem? I mean, set aside, set aside. We do set a percentage that has not changed in years uh, for growing retained earnings. And so if you've got cash stacked inside the business that equals half your half a year of operating, you probably got enough cash in the business. Okay. And you could just start, you know, you could reduce that amount then. But I would put a percentage of my profits into uh, the retained earnings, which is for future growth. It's for buying things, equipment. It's for uh, emergencies. It's the business emergency fund. It's all of those things. And just put a percentage of your profits towards that and then take the rest of it home. That's what it's for. You run a business or you make a profit and take it home. There's no obligation to leave it sitting down there. Okay, that was that was my concern was I didn't know if it's safer to stuff it all away or if we can enjoy some. I was just... Well, I mean, you don't want to be down there with no cash. Right. But you also don't need, I mean, uh, if, if you have a $5 million a year business, you don't need $20 million sitting down there in cash either, <laughs> you know? Okay. Do you so, feel like you're not paying yourselves enough right now? We are gross household income is 110,000 right now. So I feel like we make plenty, especially now that we don't have a mortgage payment. Yeah, but that's just the salary you're taking out. That's not your profits. Correct. Your profits are all taxable, whether you leave them down there or not. Because sub S and LLC are both passed through. And so all your profits are taxable every year, whether you leave it at the office or whether you take it home. So you're already paying taxes on the profits. You might as well just take them home and enjoy them. If the business has got the cash that it needs for retained earnings and for marketing and for doing the operation of the business, you know, and then the rest of it, I take home in my case. And, uh, you know, now I am investing in uh, our, our building complexes out of my personal income uh, around this campus here. And so take it home and and it ends up staying on the property, but not inside of the Ramsey Solutions business. It moves over into family stuff. We're building these buildings and that. So that that's the difference there. So, but yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Jeff is with us. Jeff is in Knoxville. Hi, Jeff. What's your business question for today? Okay, kind of tagging on what she had, but um, we have extra cash as well. And I'm just wondering if you had a a you know income to profit ratio of you know like uh, what what how much when when should we take that cash out and invest it in something you know um that's kind of what we're trying to figure out that 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 ratio well i mean as far as retained earnings go and very few businesses need more than six months of operating capital gotcha um now it now in, in addition to that if you see some big purchase in the future you know, you need to buy a half million dollar piece of equipment, then you would tack on something to go do that with, right? But your retained right. earnings uh, cover cash flow fluctuations since you're not borrowing money with a line of credit. Your retained earnings cover emergencies. Um, you know, your retained earnings cover some some purchases of items. But if you've got a something that is a major thing, you probably want to budget for that over a period of time. But uh, there's not a set margin rate. I mean, I've got like 14 different profit centers inside the business, and publishing operates on different margins than live events do. And so, you know, whatever kind of business you're in is going to have different margins. Right, right. Yeah, we basically have, you know, three divisions, um, 
in, in our business, you know. Yeah, but so. the industry that you're in may have a, a, a fairly standard margin for those three things that you can look at. But, you know, there's not one that all small business should have X percent of margin. No, because especially people dealing with hard goods, like, for instance, publishing, the margins are smaller. Or if you're dealing with digital, your margins go through the roof because your cost of goods sold is air. You know, it's, it's just a production of the item. So... They're good problems to have. Running your business debt-free and having too much money. These are great problems. I love these business owners. Horrible. Well done. Horrible situation. Too much money. Don't know what to do with it. Send it to Georgia's Bahamas. I'll send you my Venmo. That's it. Open phones this hour. 888-825-5225. Our scripture of the day, Proverbs 24, 16, for the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. Winston Churchill said, success is walking from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. There it is. It's an entree leadership theme hour as we talk small business, business, and leadership this hour, George Camel Ramsey, personality host of the Entree Leadership Podcast, is my co-host. If you want to come to our Entree Leadership Master Series the end of September, there's a handful of tickets left. Go to RamseySolutions.com slash events, and you can find out everything that's going on there. RamseySolutions.com slash Master Series will put you right on the page, actually. Uh, but if you hit events, you can always find out all of our events that are going on. And we did announce earlier today that the... Um, San Antonio event for building wealth is sold out in September. The Phoenix event, the second one we launched, is within a handful of seats of being sold out. We'll probably announce it tomorrow as a sellout. Uh, so if you want to go to those, Entree Leadership just has a handful of seats for this summit left if you want to come. So we'd love to have you at all of these things, but don't dilly-dally around. Get yourself in there and get you a ticket. All right, Toby is with us. Toby is in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Hi, Toby. How are you? Doing well, Mr. Ramsey. How about yourself, sir? Better than we deserve, brother. How can we help? Yes, sir. So we uh, have grown our company uh, in, in, a, in a very good fashion, and we are moving more towards owning the infrastructure through the family or the family trust and leasing back to the, uh, the, the organization as far as the infrastructure uh, with some of the tax benefits there. And what I'm looking for some advice on is how to protect the family more uh, when they own the infrastructure. And it'll be several dollars worth in the, in the several million. One plant could be a couple million, one could be two or three million. So we're talking about some significant dollars there. Okay, so the plant that's worth a couple million dollars is in a trust that the family is a beneficiary, yeah. has a beneficial interest on the trust, and you're leasing it back to the company? Yes, sir, that's correct. What protection? And, and what do you need protection from? Uh, well, I'll give you a small example, uh, and, and I'm just looking for input on this. We have several gasoline convenience stores. I uh, had a lady pull up, got this on camera, got fuel, uh, was a drop-top Mercedes, took off with the gas pump in her car, hose whipped around, poured uh, fuel into her car, and naturally uh, got an ambulance chaser, sued us over it. 
started out about 15 grand. That's when I found out the, the good balancing act with insurance company. And it was the first time we had to settle for like $5,000 over something that was clearly not our fault. So when I look at us owning infrastructure personally, through the families and leasing back to the companies, my concern is this. Say somebody drives up, runs in your front wall, it could be their fault. If an ambulance chase or lawyer type then represents that person, naturally they could sue the company for a settlement. But if they do enough digging, they're going to find out that the family owns it, leases back to the company. Doesn't matter. So Doesn't matter. It, okay. The family okay. doesn't own it. Trust owns it. The trust owns it, correct. Yeah, they can okay. sue the trust. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the building I'm sitting in is owned by my family trust, and it's leased to my company. Okay. All, all of which, well, by the I, way, I control. But that doesn't mean you have access to it if you run a build, run a truck through the front of it. You can only sue the trust. You can sue the company that's operating. You can sue both of them. Uh, but right. you, you know, you're not getting me personally because I'm not the owner. So when you guys do that, you guys didn't get like a one recommendation that happened. So like, let's say one physical plant, the company has general liability insurance for five million. Of course you ought to have that. Yep. You need that. But that doesn't, but if there's, if the lawsuits for 50 million, that won't help. Correct. So what the only thing you can do is keep the ass is, uh, what I've done and a lot of folks doing from a risk management scenario is you spread the assets into different ownership groups. And so like, I would not have one trust own all six gas stations. I'd have a different trust for each gas station. Okay. It's a pain in the butt because you got, you got five tax returns to file. You got five sets of corporate crap with the state. You got five sets of everything. But then if they take one of the gas stations away from you in a lawsuit, because they beat that deal on that trust, you hand them the keys to it and you close it down and you got the other four. Uh, that makes sense. I just visited an oil company out west, and they own a whole block. They're they're a lot larger than us, and yeah. they have. I don't put more than I don't put more companies. than five million dollars worth of real estate in one LLC. I open a different LLC. Okay. So, like, I've got some houses as an example, and I'll total up the houses when it gets to be about five million dollars worth of houses in rental properties. I form another LLC, and so I've got multiple LLCs. I don't even own my cars. I don't own anything anymore. Nothing is in my yep. name. Good luck. Sue me. Yeah, that's where that, that's where we're at. The only thing me and my wife own personally is a, is a personal checking account. Yeah, and, and maybe we should get that out. Yeah, because there are <clears throat> idiots out there, and there is a law. There's two lawyers for every idiot. That's the problem you've got, and so you got a target on your butt because you managed to become successful in this economy. It's aggravating as crud. But it's the reality. So you you carry large lumps of liability insurance, lots of umbrellas, lots of general liability insurance policies and your operational policies, that kind of thing. And you don't put more than you, you keep your assets, the target size small. So if an idiot gets drunk and falls off the front porch of one of these rental properties and decides it's my fault that he got drunk and fell off the porch and sues us, then he might get those four houses but he's not getting nothing else. And that's if he gets all the way through the umbrella policies and everything else and gets past me being pissed off and funding the lawyer to kick his drunk butt. But I'll do that too. But aside from that, the actual, you know, the actual thing of the size of the target has been diminished because I, once it gets to a certain size, I, I just build another one. 
Yep. Can I ask one question on that point you sure. made? One last one. Okay. So if you make sure one LLC, let's say it's, it's no more worth than, than four to 5 million and you have general liability for four to 5 million. I understand if they see you for 50, I, I get that. Well, you're just going to hand them the keys but if you, you lose. Walk away. Yeah, exactly. You're now in a gas station do, do business. You, Good luck with that. <laughs> have you ever gotten a personal general liability policy on what you own personally, even though it's in the trust? I don't own and anything an personally. Insured? Okay, because it's all in the trust. Yeah. No, okay. it's, it's all in a trust. Yeah, it's all in an LLC. I don't own a thing. Yeah. Except gotcha. the interests gotcha. in these different companies. But that you know, so any, in, in, anything we own personally that's not in the trust, we need to make sure we're getting that stuff in the trust. Yeah, I start, I, I start buying my cars in LLCs. You know, my lake house is okay. in an LLC. Uh, okay, everything. So uh, because of these idiots that are out there running around thinking that you owe them something because you became successful, it's just the world we live yeah. in. There's a bunch of evil people out there. And, yeah, we've had to we've had to, we've had to put cameras on all of our trucks, front yep. sides and backs, because we've literally had people pull in front of us and slam on the brakes and then try to sue us. So, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I you know, can you imagine me bumping into to you and coming up and going, oh, you know, sorry about that. Uh, here's my insurance, and they go, uh, oh, Dave Ramsey, oh God, and they fall on the ground and wrap, you know, and start foaming at the mouth. I mean, th- this is why I carry a ten million dollar liability umbrella, you know because of this, yeah. this stuff yeah. it's just sad it, it's not funny really but it's just it's the world we live in and uh it's one of the expenses that you have to take on to protect it. and to protect yourself and it's just it's risk management categories what it falls into you're just risk management so big chunks of insurance where you can and keep the bite size tar keep the target bite size instead of a whole buffet yeah makes perfect sense cool that was a fun discussion. Appreciate I hadn't got to have that one on the air before. I've talked to my friends about that stuff, but this is it. We're nerding out now. It's yeah, fun. we're completely nerding out. You want the right you know. kind of insurance? Enough. Did coverage. I just tune into the Ramsey Show? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Diversify your risk portfolio. There, there it you is. go. I mean, that's 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 exactly what we've done. And uh, smart. Get to review that again tomorrow night in the estate plan. Oh, good. This is a warm up. The, Mon- the Monty Python meeting. The I'm feeling much better. I'm really not. It's the a Dave will die meeting. The Dave's gonna die this year meeting. I think you're going to outlive us all, Dave, just out of spite. Dead gum right. Just dead gum right. Count on it, George. That puts this hour of the Ramsey Show in the books. Do you love a good Dave rant? Want to see the latest Ramsey Show videos going viral? Check out your favorite moments from the Ramsey Show on YouTube. Go watch and subscribe to the Ramsey Show channel on YouTube.